All right, it's crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jake Lisko from the Locked On Bengals Podcast, along with Jeff Lloyd from the Locked On Browns Podcast. And today, Jeff, we're here to talk about the annual battle of one team that has fledgling playoff hopes and another team that's hopelessly out of contention. But this year, the roles are reversed. <laughs> uh, yes, they are. Um Look, you know, last week, obviously, a huge, huge, colossal hit to, you know, what the the hopes and dreams were to this 2019 season. Look, there had been, you know, obviously some hiccups along the way and some, but there was a chance to maybe right the ship last Sunday. It, you know, just just didn't go right. And a guy like Tamarius Randall finding a way to get suspended in what turned out to be the biggest game of the year certainly doesn't help. Um, But, you know, you know, you know, obviously, you know, I've been where you guys are. Um, extremely interesting the way, uh, you know, Zach Taylor decided to go back to Andy Dalton last week. Um, now you end up getting the W over the Jets and go figure that the Jets, everything kind of been humming offensively, uh, a defense full of no names had been playing really well. What was the point there? Was the point like, this is getting too far away. Let's try to at least get what's going to be here in 2020 to feel good about themselves. How did that all come to pass, Jake? And what do you think the reason was they went that route? I think they saw three weeks of Ryan Finley and the evaluation was done. For anybody outside the organization, <laughs> you watch one week of Ryan Finley and I think the evaluation is done because his, he just doesn't have an NFL arm. He can't make the NFL throws. And Andy Dalton, not noted for his arm strength, right? Like coming into the league, it was a weakness. Got to a point where you could say he's got an average arm. At this point in his career, he improved his arm strength as he came into the NFL, went and worked with Tom House, whatever. When Andy Dalton came back this week against the Jets, it looked like he was, I don't know, who, who's a guy with a strong arm? Jamarcus Russell. Like, the, <laughs> the difference is just night and day when you compare Ryan Finley's not NFL arm to Andy Dalton's adequate NFL arm. And there's still the issues with Andy Dalton for sure. But I think what happened was Ryan Finley went out and had two weeks in a row where he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. And they were doing a lot to help him. They were running the ball well. And it was just, I think, pretty obvious to Taylor who continued to say, we're going to get a win. We're doing everything the right way. The guys are still bought in. Well, you're no longer giving yourself the best chance to win with Ryan Finley. Well, I think the other thing was is, you know, and look, and Andy, look, if the script is written and you're looking where uh, this could end up for Cincinnati, and even the thing is, like, I'm like, what are they doing? I mean, they've got the number one pick sewn up, but then Miami goes out and wins another game. Redskins go down to Carolina and, and Ron Rivera's rain down there. Uh, so it's good because look, I mean, you've got to keep, and we've had a bunch of Browns players on the phone, uh, on the show, and we've talked with a bunch of them and it's, you know, that Owen 16, man, it was mentally taxing. Oh yeah. And so you go and do this, but look, Andy Dalton, he's still got, he's look, I ain't done. I may be done here, but, uh, I still want to, you know, I still want to continue down this Mm -hmm. road and look, there's teams that are always going to look for a veteran quarterback. I know the popular one is the bears and that offense, but you know, it, you know, it's not over, you know, it, the script is written in Cincinnati for Andy, but it's not written for Andy Dalton, his career. And look, man, I mean, Andy Dalton ain't no idiot. You can go wear a baseball hat and get a $23 million you know, contract over three years, like Chase Daniel. Andy ain't dumb. 
No. And and the thing about Andy Dalton is he's just a great human being. A story came out this week, just another in a long line of here's Andy Dalton being a real good dude's stories. And this time it's he rents out an entire hotel for parents of disabled children so that they can have a date night and a night to themselves, gets the kids taken care of. I mean, what a saint of a person, right? Not to mention all the other fundraising he does in the city. So, you know, great human, not the quarterback you need to put yourself over the hump. But like you said, you know, you look at the Bears, you look at even the, the Panthers now are a team where they've got the good receiving weapons. They've got Christian McCaffrey. That's a pretty good landing spot for Andy Dalton, potentially. You look at what Ryan Tannehill did going from nothing, you know, and now he's playing really well in Tennessee from Miami, from the disaster of his career of getting comparisons to Andy Dalton. And now he's out there and he looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL all of a sudden, maybe until this week. I don't know. I haven't didn't get to watch Ryan Tannehill this week, but I absolutely agree with you. There is a future for Andy Dalton out there, and I think he's playing for his next team right now. Oh yeah, and look, and, you know, that, like I've made, and I took a lot of heat from Bengals fans over the, and I just, I, I just didn't see it. I just didn't see how this team got better. And look, yeah, yes, I cover the Browns, but I, I love the NFL. I want everybody to be good. In an ideal scenario, I don't want playoffs. I want a thirty-two team postseason. Round, I, I want I want a bracket. Let everybody go at it. I, you know, if you get lucky, you get hot. I just didn't see it for Cincinnati. There just wasn't enough pieces. And you know, and when they drafted Jonah Williams and some people I had talked to, oh well, you know, we're not really sure if he's a tackler or he's a guard. And then there were a couple other people, we're not even sure if he's healthy. And it's like, no, 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 Cincinnati, because it, you know. It always seems like Cincinnati's first round pick. Okay, we'll see you in a year and a half when you finally get on the field. It was the William Jackson era, and then obviously now with Jonah Williams, and it, you you just hate to see it happen. And look, some you know ownership sometimes has got to look themselves in the mirror and say, look, are we really doing this the right way? Should we even be doing this at all? But you know, here you are, and w- with the opportunity, and you know, you get to go change things up, which is. Really, the only way it was going to happen in Cincinnati because you got you know you got some stubborn ownership and you're not the most desirable free agent spot, <laughs> as my Browns fans know. Uh, it takes a while before you get a guy to even pick up a phone call from somebody in a Bengals front office, a Browns front office, to actually say, "All right, well, I'll at least come in for a visit." Yeah, and it's not just getting him to take the call. It's that the way the Bengals historically structure contracts is. The Brown family seems to be disinclined to put money into escrow, which you have to do when you pay guaranteed money. That means you have to put the cash away right now. That cash is gone the minute you sign that contract. The Brown family likes to pay out, for the most part, the contracts they give out. There are some exceptions there. They cut Preston Brown midway through the season this year. But they don't like to give out the guaranteed money, and that is the gold standard for free agent deals in the NFL right now. We'll see how that changes in the next CBA. The Brown family generally has been pretty anti-player, very anti-free agency for the entire existence of free agency in the NFL. So, yeah, I I mean, I'm of the opinion that the Bengals have to change their ways going forward, right? Because they got lucky there for a while. They were hitting in drafts. They were retaining their guys that were good. And then since 2015, well, now we're not hitting in drafts anymore. And now we're looking at next year, we're going to have $60 million in cap space. And what are we going to do? Are we going to spend it on a bunch of guys in their 30s? 
are we going to go actually do something like what Green Bay did and make some splash moves? Yes, you have to overpay at some positions, but you just have to get over it, right? Because that's what it takes sometimes to get over the hump. And we'll see if they take that approach in the draft, right? Are they going to pick Chase Young, which still a notable amount of Bengals fans want because a notable amount of Bengals fans are Ohio State fans who also want Justin Fields in 2021? Because obviously that you can plan two years ahead in the draft, of course, as we all know. Naturally. You can't um, and- you can't do that for those of you listening. That that's yes. sarcasm. Just in case it's not clear. You cannot <laughs> plan for the draft in two years. Browns fans can tell you all about that. Oh yeah. And 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 that's even the thing, because um, you know, we had our concerns just about Nick Bosa. It, it, a lot of it is just the Bosa family. Look, when you come from a pro, you want everything lined up for you. And then, you know, when Nick Bosa, you know, his career ended at Ohio State, everybody got to see Chase Young. I'll be honest. I mean, you can look at it the way the Browns did it. Of course, you know, the Browns did it with two first round picks after Miles Garrett. Um, The Bengals may not be that savvy to have that work out for them in that scenario. But I mean, look, you wouldn't go wrong with Chase Young. um, But uh, you go yank the guy in from Baton Rouge. There's just no doubt about it. And we actually uh, last night on our PFF show with John Costco, actually lives in Cincinnati now he's like no you don't get it he's like Joe Burrow is literally playing at a Drew Brees Tom Brady level right now like that's once you say that we're done it's over like Joe if they get one Joe Burrow doesn't even have to go to the combine it's over dude you are you are it and if you're the Bengals like can I start negotiating now when is too early let's just get this handled Last time the Bengals had the number one overall pick, they did work out a deal with Carson Palmer well before the draft. There was no suspense. I don't know if you remember that, but when the Bengals picked Carson Palmer, they had that deal signed before the draft, and everyone knew it's Carson coming to Cincinnati. I talked to Mike Renner about Joe Burrow last week to get his take because Mike Renner is a huge Joe Burrow stan, and he also mentioned Drew Brees. And I'm like, is that that the – pro ceiling can he be drew Brees? and you compare the passing charts sometimes you can see it i actually interestingly looked at you go look at uh, deshaun watson's passing chart and their recent victory over the patriots and he won that game exactly where joe burrow wins he won deep and he won in the intermediate middle part of the field and you look at the saints offense that's where drew Brees wins and The PFF guys are 100% right that Joe Burrow is doing something unprecedented statistically, and they track that next-level accuracy stuff. Like, is it on the body? Is it in the numbers? Is it behind? Is it it high? And he's also doing really well in those metrics, according to Mike. We haven't seen it yet. I think that that stuff gets into the draft guide. I think some of it does, at least, at the end of the year. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, he's just a fun player. And, you know, for me, and, you know, I haven't, even last year, I didn't have to do it. This year, I'm not watching quarterbacks like I was in the fall of 17, where it's, okay, here's the day. Oh, God, Sam Darnold at 1030 on a Saturday night. Um, but sitting down for that Alabama-LSU game, and I was just like, all right, you're not going to be the one to tell me that Tua is better. I am not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it for a second. I kind of went into it where I was nervous about Tua in the body. Um, way too many injuries for a guy the age he is, but it was just like this guy. I mean, he's got stones. He went into that. Pl- he went in there to Tuscaloosa like it was nobody's business. 
had his way, and then you cap it off last week, and now he's going to get a playoff run. And, you know, maybe, obviously, a, a huge uh, potential matchup with Ohio State mm-hmm. where maybe that'll seal it for these Buckeye fans. Um, you know, you'll get to see it really up close when you're paying attention to it. Uh, it it's been fun to talk about. And I, I think it's like the most, like, like joke at anything right now. It, it's early December. We haven't even had the Heisman yet. We don't even have the conference championship games yet. And if you're one of the teams who needs a quarterback and you're drafting one, it's Joe Burrow. It's like it's Joe Burrow and it's Chase Young and who's on the clock at three. And we're like five months away. Yeah. And I do want to make sure that we're still giving Tua credit because you you won't be dissuaded from Joe Burrow. But a big part of me still likes Tua Tungo-Viola more than Joe Burrow. And the reason that I've allowed myself to be talked into Joe Burrow at number one is a because of the unprecedented production and accuracy that he's shown he's got good athleticism I sometimes think that he pulls the ball down and runs a little too readily but generally he's doing so purposefully so again I've been talked into that but Tua has done it over two years I still have the age concerns with Burrow and I still have the one-year production concerns with Burrow those have been largely mitigated by just how good he has been but Tua does have a couple of those things in his favor, although he is only playing half of games a lot of weeks. So the injury is enough, I think, that I, I totally get it. But we should probably talk a little bit about the game this week, right? Yeah, actually, this week, um, apparently Cincinnati is traveling on up a little bit. Uh, it'll be Browns, Bengals. Um, it's going to be interesting because it, where are the Browns? Look, you're still alive. But you just suffered a huge gut gut punch last week. Uh, and last week, last year, that was these two games against the Bengals were important because you needed to show that you had some credibility in the division. And you ended up going three, two and one in the division. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, because obviously, you know, you play every, you know, NFC divisions once every four years. And by the time you see him again, everything is so much different than it was. You gotta. It for you've got to be able to make sure you can get it done within your division. The rest of it, it doesn't matter. And like you know, oh yes, well we're gonna have to face New England. Well, no duh, you're gonna have to face. You know, Kansas City's probably gonna be hanging around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't get it done within division, none of that other nonsense matters. Um, so it's gonna be important how they come out. Um, if they start out flat, they usually play flat throughout. If they start off hot. There's the question mark, because some weeks it's been all right. We're going to run right through you. The Baltimore game, the Buffalo game, Miami. Actually, there's a little maybe a little more teeth to that now against playing against Miami because, you know, they're playing really, really hard. It's keeping the consistency, but it starts with being able to start quickly. They start quickly. It usually remains that way. They start a little flat. It's hard to get it going then. Uh, but, you know, the juices are going to be there. It's Bengals, Browns, that rivalry is always there. Uh, but they just got to kind of get out of the gate here. Um, but Cincinnati is going to be bringing something a little different. You know, I mean, you're going to have – look, they have oodles and oodles of you know tape on Andy Dalton. But there are a bunch of guys that, you know, just aren't traditional names on this Bengals team. Are there? I mean, I guess there's the the big newcomer <laughs> is Auden Tate. He's been incredibly productive. Under 22 years old. Love My Auden guy. Tate. You My love guy. Auden Tate. 
he's a human highlight reel. Every week he's out there doing something insane with his body, catching the ball 13 feet off the ground or something. I don't know. I want to see him in a dunk contest. And the crazy thing is he didn't even jump that well at the combine. But Auden nope. Tate's a new name. On the defense, it's pretty much the same crew. I mean, you got B.W. Webb out there at corner, uh, a couple a couple of different defensive linemen. Josh, Tupo, Josh Tupo's played really well at nose tackle. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's a lot of the same crew out there. The the big missing name, of course, is A.J. Green, who still doesn't look like he's on track to play this week. I would be surprised at this point on Tuesday if he does. John Ross, on the other hand, did just come off the IR, so there's a little bit more punch to the Bengals at skill positions. And Tyler Eifert somehow has stayed healthy, so they should be pretty well equipped. It's just Andy Dalton with and without A.J. Green is a pretty monstrous split, and missing him just takes a lot of the teeth out of that Bengals offense. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, to, to be fair and to be honest, look, I absolutely love AJ, AJ Green, the player. And Auden Tate, I fought for him that entire draft cycle. Everybody fought me. Oh, well, look at the athletic numbers. How are you going to cover him? I said, if you're behind him, you're screwed. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? Well, You're not going around him. He's thick. You, uh, you're not going over him. That's not going to happen. Um, so even, well, I don't know if he's going to create enough separation. Okay. Try it, to go through him and get the ball out of his hands. It, it can be an issue, and it happened this week. I actually noted this play in our game recap. There's a little comeback they ran to Auden Tate, and you don't want to give him he, – he's not as good in those sort of timing routes where a corner is going to get out of his break a little bit faster than he is sometimes, and you can play through him if you're getting out of that break faster than him and it's a timing route. But where he excels is anywhere away from his body. His hands are just vice grips. And his ability to catch the ball away from his body and go over people is what's really impressive. Adjusting the balls behind, high, outside. That's where he's really, really good. And that's where he has a special skill that can play for a long time in the NFL. But I I do think that he is not a perfect wide receiver by any means, right? Like, he's never going to be a number one, but he's a great complimentary piece. Honestly, you look at it. And and here's the thing I was going to say. I mean, we'll get to the AJ Green thing in a second. Boyd is just a nasty route runner. Yep. John Ross is your pain in the butt. Look, he can go vertical on us at any given time. And he's actually gotten really, really good in his red zone routes. And then there's, well, we don't have a six foot three cornerback who can handle Tate. It's, it's not a bad threesome. It's a really nice threesome on paper if you, know, you find the quarterback with the arm strength and everything you're looking for. The thing is, Jake, do we even know? What AJ? I mean, it's been it's got to have been over a calendar year now since AJ Green has played an NFL game. No, so is it really hard to say what he is? And look, I mean, if you're going to move on from Andy, is it maybe time to move on from AJ Green too? If they move on from AJ Green, I mean, maybe they couldn't trade him because everyone knew that he was still hurt. But reportedly, he practiced after the trade deadline, right? And then he aggravated his injury, so. They didn't try to trade him by all indications, or they were just nowhere close. But nobody reported that the Bengals really entertained offers. It sounds like a lot of teams tried to get him. Those were the rumors going around. But if they decide to keep him for the chance to win a couple games this year and then don't extend him, I think that's a problem. I think that I do want to see the Bengals bring back A.J. Green because I think he still has a lot left in the tank. And if he can get healthy, he's had some pretty weird injuries, right? Like this is taking a long time to heal. And I am concerned about that. 
He's had some setbacks in his recovery. It's an it's a high ankle sprain, right? He had to have a surgery on it. Sounds like it was pretty severe as far as this type of injury goes. But if he can recover, then I think that he brings a lot to a team that could be bringing in a new quarterback, right? And then you've got your Larry Fitzgerald to complement a pretty solid skill set, a skill set of positions for your new quarterback. And then, yes, the draft is really strong at receiver this year, but you don't have to go out and feel like you have to get a weapon to couple with your new quarterback. You can address the other you can address value BPA. You can you can address other team needs at that point. So I, I do see a good argument to bringing back AJ Green. But my question for you, Jeff, is so you got these receivers that you seem to think are a bit of a mismatch. The Browns corners are pretty good, generally speaking, or on paper look like they're a pretty good, uh, pretty good group. Is it going to be the kind of game where you just sit, sit back in zone? You try to trick Andy Dalton, or is, is it going to be a lot of man from the Browns this week? It's weird how Wilkes is doing this, Steve Wilkes. Um, like they're covering well deep, but like they're not like it seems like he's coaching them to attack the ball at the receiver's numbers as opposed to flipping your head around. Greedy Williams looks really, really kind of lost in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denzel Ward, there were uh, you know it was a couple of balls against uh, it was a ball against James Washington last week. It. it, it I don't like it. Um, you know, Greedy Williams, this is not what he was at LSU. Right. Denzel Ward, this is certainly what he not what he was at Ohio State. And I think the thing with Wilkes is, granted, you, you lost Ward and Greedy Williams for a month. Mm-hmm. So you have Terrence Mitchell. You had uh, TJ Carey. These were your outside corners. Not nearly the athletes that Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward were. So it worked better. I mean, these guys are longer-armed physical corners it worked better for them and even the raven game when it was announced that you know denzel wasn't going to play and it was announced that greedy wasn't going to play i was like actually this isn't a bad deal uh, because the uh, the two veterans were better tacklers you worried about lamar jackson now that instinct um the, you know the ravens passing game had featured tight ends but look this is what these two kids do and do well um, granted, I'm not begging on Steve Wilkes because I think he's done a phenomenal job. Could you imagine playing the Rams without your entire secondary and the score being 20 to 13 when your offense had the ball on the five yard line with a chance to tie the game? Phenomenal effort. Mm-hmm. Now you'd look at what he's been dealt with. Miles Garrett gone for the season. Olivier Vernon was hurt and, and, and hanging at, well, you know, and beaten up on Miami, hanging with Pittsburgh with your third and fourth defensive end playing. They are da- right now. They had their seventh safety play over thirty reps Sunday, so like people want to get on Wilkes and give him a hard time. Look, San Francisco had his number by all means. They did. They had his number in spades. But you know, everybody wants to get on Wilkes. Well, oh no, no, we lost twenty to thirteen to Pittsburgh. This offense was supposed to score twenty-five to thirty points a game. It's not a big deal that you know the defense gave up twenty. I mean, the other guys on the other side of the ball, they get paid too. So, you know, everybody gets so – a lot of Browns fans get upset with Wilkes. The defense really hasn't been the issue. It's not been the issue at all. The problem is the offense isn't doing what they're doing. But, you know, he, he needs to get more into what's best for Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. And, look, you know, whether or not they move on and they change the staff, which I can understand. But now it's a third coaching staff in three years. Uh, Baker will be in his fourth system in four years, you know, and, and now they've 
altered their roster to what Steve Will Steve Wilkes likes the trade of Jannard Avery, who was a good player, but Steve Wilkes likes his D, likes his DNs to be six foot three, six foot four, north of two sixty five. So you catered your defense somewhat to Wilkes's style. So then he better be here because you can't keep reinventing this crap on the fly. Yeah. Well, you do have to wonder about Freddie Kitchens. Uh, my last question for you before I get your outlook and we talk about what we expect this weekend. And we are pressed for time at this point, so we do have to wrap up. But is Freddie Kitchens ever going to figure out how to use Odell Beckham Jr.? I, that part, I do not know. And the biggest thing, and this is the one question we had, Pete Smith and I, would, the, the, look, we were excited as hell. Look, it's Odell Beckham Jr. But what made Baker great last year was I don't care who your name, what your name is. I don't care what your number is. I don't care who you are, whether you're the first wide receiver, the fifth wide receiver, first tight end, third tight end. If you're open, you're getting the ball. And that's really, really difficult to do when you have Odell Beckham Jr. and you have Jarvis Landry. You're talking about two of the most productive wide receivers through the first five years of their NFL career ever. And you know they're chirping, and you know they want the ball, and it's really difficult to say, well, yeah, you were kind of open, but I had a tight end wide open, eight yards past the line of scrimmage, which would have turned into a 16-yard play, and I think that's been a big issue here. And you know, and maybe some of it is just let Baker be Baker, and once he starts hitting wide receiver three, tight end three, uh, you know, you know, the Chubb hunt thing has worked out very well. Just let him find who's open, move the sticks. Cause you know what? Eventually the coverage is going to say, well, we got to cover that guy too now. And once it's more Odell one-on-one, you know, he's going to win more than he's going to lose. Yeah. That's been the biggest issue. Yeah. So kind of a, perhaps Freddie kitchens, Baker Mayfield, young, not young necessarily, but inexperienced at their respective jobs managing some personalities there, managing some expectations and letting the offense do what the offense is supposed to do. But regardless of all those things, what are you expecting this weekend? I personally am still not very hopeful for the Bengals in either of the Browns contests, especially the one in Cleveland. But what do you think? Uh, I think the Browns should bounce back. Um, The question is going to be how much you can get at Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon gave you 12 snaps last week. Look, um, they, I, you appreciated the effort. Um, you know, once you saw the big old brace, you kind of knew what you were getting. You weren't getting 100%, but you know, the game meant that much. Sheldon Richardson's been playing really, really well this year. Uh, Joe Schobert uh, and even Mac Wilson. Look, Mac Wilson runs around 100 miles an hour. A lot of times he runs around 100 miles an hour and misses things. Um, but I think the defense should be able to hold it down, whether or not Demarius Randall plays, who even knows at this point. Um, but the offense should – this should be one where the offense can get it done. And I, I want to see that fire because if they don't come out and look inspired and fired, you know, for, you know fired up for Freddie, it's bad news. I, I would say, you know, I hate doing these scores – 24, 13 Browns, if not more, um, you know, the Bengals, you know, I mean, the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt thing and everybody last week, oh, we went away from it. And, and it's all about now, oh, well, let's go with extra tight ends. The Browns tight ends can't block. Their tackles can't block. They run the ball well. Some people can run block here, 
The pass blocking is atrocious. Carlos Dunlap certainly concerns me. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think with the mixture of these guys, I, I think there's enough where all of them are kind of pissed off about what happened last week. And I think I like that because when this team plays pissed off is usually when they play better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they react emotionally. They were obviously very charged going into the Pittsburgh game. They haven't played the Bengals yet this year, and any animosity between these teams is so far behind them and pales in comparison to what's gone on with Pittsburgh that it'll be interesting to see what kind of emotion they come out with. I'm sure they're going to want to come out and think they should be able to beat a 1-11 team, but I think that what did this game open at the Browns favored by nine, nine and a half points or something. I think the Bengals probably cover that. And I think it's either a six point game, something, something in that area, just because I think the defense has been playing better. They've figured out some communication issues and have some more consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Darquez Denard coming back has made a huge difference for them. He's been adequate. He's been good in the slot and they were really struggling there and has, He's really provided a big boost in run defense is is a big difference with him because he, he's actually going to go in there and tackle. Carl Lawson got healthy. They have a really good defensive line rotation going on right now. Browns have had some issues with the offensive line, as you mentioned. So if the Browns can't get that running game going in a dominant fashion because that's really what's put the Bengals behind the eight ball this year, then I think it definitely stays close. And then on the other side of the ball, getting John Ross back is big. Andy Dalton will probably continue to play fired up, trying to put on tape for his next team for the rest of the year. So I see this one being close, but I'm not sure the Bengals have it in him to pull it out. But Jeff, it has been a pleasure. We'll do this again in a few weeks when these teams play again in the final week of the season. Maybe the Browns are playing for that wild card spot. I think it's, I, I, look, I mean, all hope isn't lost yet. Go run the table. Um, obviously, you have that big, bad Baltimore thing there. Uh, you know, Arizona is definitely scary. Um, obviously, they're players away in Arizona. Um, and look, Cincinnati, look, and I'll tell you right now, for you and for Joe, one of the best things in the world is getting to do a whole bunch of draft talk, knowing it all revolves around you. Oh, well, we've already started it. I mean, we're ready to hit that simulate to draft button. You know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely know. Uh, no doubt about it. And it's, you know, it, it, it's fun. And, you know, it, it's it, 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 you get to play so many scenarios with it. And it's it, it, it makes for a good time. Um, look, I mean, everybody, you know, look, we'd all like to be talking, you know, games in February. Um, but sometimes you just got to be realists, you know. Baby steps, you know, the Bengals had to go eight and eight before they went with Marvin Lewis and got it going. And maybe the Browns are on their way. Well, Jeff, it has been a pleasure. And we'll wrap up there. Looking forward to the Browns Bengals game in Cleveland.